Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. It's Monday. It means we're here with another edition of the MMA Weekend Recap. Dominic, I think we need to recap just this weekend for the Joes as well. It's been it's been you know a few days since we've talked, and a lot's happened. We've made our first guest appearance on the Barely Critical Movie Review podcast, reviewing the Kevin James classic. Mm-hmm. Here comes the boom. I think we had a great. I had a great time. Had a blast on there. Yeah, I mean it was just. I mean, I'm I'm good friends with those guys, anyways. I know that was like the first time Dominic really got to yeah, yeah. like hang out with them, but like that couldn't have went any better. Oh yeah. Um, I feel like we were all in the same room together. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So make sure to go check out that. Just you can look them up YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Um, just look up Barely Critical Movie Review Podcast. Uh, we also had our own episode come out on Friday. We had an episode reach almost 200 views. Uh, yeah. Our our recap from last Monday, right? That was uh, yeah, yeah the Giga Chikadze. Yeah, it appears Giga Chikadze might be more of a uh, star <laughs> nationally than we gave him credit for because uh, that's our second most viewed episode of all time now, Dominic. Yeah. So. Shout out to the Joey community, am I right? I mean, jeez. Yeah. I know. Everybody's everybody's coming out out, out of nowhere. Come I love on. It. Trickle yeah. in, baby. It's never, it's never too late to get on this train, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Dominic, with all that being said, how was your weekend? Did you, did you get to watch any football? You know, I did. Uh, of course, we talked about this on Friday. Our Buckeyes beat Minnesota in an absolutely mm-hmm. barn burner of a game, by the way, 45-31. Uh, so the Buckeyes are victorious. We saw a lot. I think there were eight top 25 teams that got beat. Uh, I watched the Georgia-Clemson game. Had fun watching that with some friends because it, simul- or it segued perfectly after the fights because the fights were early on Saturday. So it was a good weekend. Hung out with some friends, watched some football, watched some fights, and I know that you did the same, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yep, I was on the porch, ladies and gentlemen. From we put a TV out there. Oh boy! <laughs> Which you know, everybody that kept showing up yesterday was like, "Who thought of this? This was a genius idea." Yeah, yeah. And then, and then I'm like sitting there, like, "All right, let's calm down. This isn't the first." For me, yeah. the first people to put a TV on a porch, you know, or in a front yard. Right. So, um, yeah, I got to watch football literally from uh, – we started watching college game day at 9 a.m. Oh, and I was going until the end of – well, basically halftime of the BYU-Arizona um, game, which okay. was like midnight or so. Yeah. So I was out there for like 15 hours. <laughs> It was a grind. I was so exhausted by the end, but that's what we do it. That's why we do it. I yeah, don't know. yeah. But yeah, the, a lot of defensive football is what I got to watch yesterday. Um, started the day off with uh, Penn State, Wisconsin. Uh, that was a very defensive focused game. And as you mentioned, that late game, Clemson, yeah. Georgia. Three. Georgia making a statement in that game. Uh, Clemson looking a little rough, not going to lie. Yeah. Another team that was looking a little rough, even though they put up a lot of points, Oklahoma is ranked yep. number two. Um, I'm not the I'm not a big fan of their quarterback. Not he's got a lot of talent, but I watched QB one. Mm. That dude's an asshole. <laughs> so, um, so watching him struggle a little bit brought a tear to my eye. But anyways, <laughs> nice. Um, shout out Buckeyes, big win on Thursday, I O. And with that, we're going to transition into our fight announcements because that's what you all are here to listen to. UFC 268 is stacking up to be potentially one of the most stacked cards of all time. I feel like Dominic's saying that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we got two additions to this card, and they're both you know, not going to be the card or fights that probably get put on a main card or anything like that. But, I mean, to fill out your prelims, holy shit. Yeah. You start with two names that might not jump off the page to you guys, Alex Pereira and Andreas Michalaitis. The reason why this fight is so important is this Alex Pereira is currently the glory kickboxing middleweight champion. I believe he's middleweight champion. Um, he is finally making the full transition over to MMA. Fun fact, he's also the only guy to ever knock out current UFC middleweight champion, 
Israel Adesanya yes. in their kickboxing bout. So Pereira comes in here with a lot of hype, a lot of pedigree, and it's very obvious that the UFC believes in him already because they signed him straight straight away. Yes. This guy doesn't have to go prove it on the on the circuit. UFC's like, nope, you're done with glory. Come on over. So, Dominic, what do you think of that one? And I guess actually I'll set up the other one too and we can just group them together. Also, oh, number, four, number 14 ranked Shane Burgos and Billy Quarantillo go head to head. These are two guys that have been like our boys, you yeah. know? Yeah. So you hate to see family fight like that, you know? <laughs> but man, when this fight got announced, I was shocked. I really wasn't sure Billy was uh, going to get top 15. Yeah. But now that the fight's been announced, oh my. I mean, fireworks, am I right? I mean, the fact that that's actually on UFC 268, I didn't even fathom that when I saw the fight announcement. I just saw Burgos Corintillo, didn't even look at the date. That's But uh, the fact that it's on there, that's insane, man. But uh, So to start with Alex uh, Pereira versus Andreas Michaelitis, it's a big deal, right? Because he's, he's a very seasoned, uh, experienced player professional kickboxer who's had a ton of accolades, a lot of success transitioning directly into the biggest MMA promotion in the world says a lot about the potential talent that we're going to see here. Can he put it all together in a well-rounded MMA skill set? that remains to be seen obviously. So we'll find out at UFC 268, but it is nice to get some fresh blood in that middleweight division, especially someone that has a bit of a past with Israel Adesanya Burgos Corintillo. Come on, man. Come on. This is violence guaranteed. I'm not going to say it's a certified banger. I kind of got pooped on by Noah for Friday for saying it twice in like two minutes. So I won't say that. But this is everything uh, that you would like as a fight fan. Two two dudes that are going to go in there, put on a show. The fans love both of these guys. There's big implications for both in terms of staying in or getting in to the top 15. It's going to be Corntillo's biggest test by far of his career. And for Burgos, can he rebound from a devastating knockout loss to Edson Barboza? That's going to be very violent. Yes, I appreciate you uh, switching up your vocabulary for that one. I could tell you were struggling a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I saw I, I saw a pause where you yep. would normally just go certified banger, and I was like, you know, I appreciate it, Dom. I appreciate your effort on here. Our first set of merch, my part is going to definitely have certified banger. We're going to have merch for both people. I'm going to have one that's certified that. banger uh, 2.0 instant yeah. fighter name 2.0. You yes. know the, the classics. Yes. Um, yeah. So UFC 268 from top to bottom. I mean, I again, this is always me and my our friends. We always make fun of Dom for. Um, we always say every card that comes out, Dominic goes, this is the most stacked card in UFC history. And truthfully, like I can say this, you know, now that we're not, we're not with our friends. So I can, now I can tell the truth. <laughs> I've definitely, a lot of times Dominic said it, I've been right there with them. You know, the UFC does a good job of kind of just continuing to raise the bar. I would say. Yeah. Now has year- every, Go ahead, sorry. Uh, as every card necessarily delivered to be the best card of all time? No, and those are the ones that kind of end up being forgotten when you when we think about it. But UFC 268 on paper is really stacking up to be just a fantastic card filled with really good fights from top to bottom, a lot of big names. And that's that's what you really want. I mean, at the end of the day, like I always say, as long as there's good fights, that's all that matters. Yeah, but there is a little bit that matters too, and in, in, in order to get us excited to buy it, to promote it, to you right. know, to so sit there to talk to our friends about it, you want to have those names on there that you just know, like Shane Burgos. You know, you can tell your buddies, yeah, hey, check out that Shane Burgos fight because you know he's not going to let you down. Hundred percent. But did you have something you wanted to say before we? I was just going to say, in terms of like when we say cards are stacked and what whatnot, this year it does feel like most of the pay-per-views have been absolutely insane, man. I mean, this is going to be like the third or fourth card with three title fights in one year. Like, it just feels like they were really bringing coming back from 2020 with fans again, and they were trying to put on as many big pay-per-views as possible. So this year just feels like more of an outlier than the rest is all I was going to say. I agree, but I mean, we even – back since we've since we've been watching together dominic i think we have said that oh, yeah. a lot <laughs> just I, I just think it's a 
uh, product of the UFC just continuing to out deliver, yep. out deliver, or outperform themselves, whatever. Hopefully, those fighters deliver. That's all that matters. Right, right. Um, November twentieth, two weeks later. This is a fun one. This was another surprising one, I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, in welterweight division, number seven, Michael Chiesa. Number thirteen, Sean Brady. Now, Dominic Sean Brady is supposed to fight Kevin Lee, who we just saw lost to Daniel Rodriguez in his re-debut into the welterweight division. Yep. Sean Brady is supposed to be the one to welcome him there. Not able to do so. Now gets a, I guess, better ma- a better uh, matchup in terms of rankings, in terms oh, yeah. of what it could do for his career at this point. And Michael Chiesa, who is coming off of essentially in some ways a kind of title-ish eliminator loss mm-hmm. to Vicente Luque, at least like a contender-pretender yeah. type fight. Um so Kies is still at the top of the heap here at welterweight. Do you do you like this fight? Do you think that this is a good match, good matchmaking, or do you feel like this might be a little bit too much too soon for the young Sean Brady? For those that like grappling, this is the fight for you here because mm-hmm. obviously we know Kies's game plan is to come out, smother you, look for the finish on the ground, or just grind out a decision. For Brady, a guy that has shown, I mean, he's undefeated, right? A flawless record, and he's shown time and time again he gets better when he goes in there, but this is a big <laughs> jump. I mean, to go from a scheduled bout with Kevin Lee, who, by the way, is a great grappler in his own right, but we've seen what has come of him more recently compared to Michael Chiesa. Chiesa obviously coming off the loss to Luque, but before that was undefeated at this new weight class for him at 170 pounds. I think this is a huge jump for Brady, but one that stylistically can benefit him in certain aspects. And sometimes when you see two grapplers that are so good, cancel each other out and they stay on the feet so who's going to have the better of the striking between the two we know Kies is very long and rangy Sean Brady short stocky very strong there's a lot of very fun intangibles and things to discuss come November 20th when we break down this fight I, I like it I really do it was random I wasn't expecting it but I do like it so you do there's no like um I, I mean I'm not trying to set you up here I'm just generally curious because Sean Brady is ranked and you know, he, he should be kind of moving up here. But at the same time, you know, this is by far his biggest yeah. test. You know, who was his previous opponent before this? Oh, gosh. Let me – I can look real quick as you discuss. Because <laughs> um, I think it's kind of telling that we're not really sure off the top of our heads. And because of that, um, I just feel like there's a chance that this is a little too fast, too soon for Sean Brady. You know, the welterweight division is definitely in need – of some fresh blood at the top. So maybe that's a reason why you're you're seeing this kind of matchmaking here. And Kiesa is like one of those guys that's kind of hanging around the middle of the pack without really advancing too much. So they're kind of maybe just trying to have him play gatekeeper here. But Sean Brady is the biggest prospect in the division. I feel like it could be just a little, maybe just a little detrimental to what the UFC would like to do by feeding him the, perhaps Kiesa, who might be just far more advanced. Yeah, so his last fight was a submission victory over Jake Matthews. So Brady's 4-0 in the UFC, his fifth fight, and he's getting catapulted into a top-ranked Michael Kiesa here in this one. This is his his first fight against a ranked opponent. Yes, number seven. Yeah, it's crazy. That's that's, (laughs) – I mean, I'm I'm not huge on the the matchmaking, but – Sean Brady has looked incredible, and yeah. if he Does goes in, the belief that the UFC has in him, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what you're seeing here for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that the UFC respects the talent of Michael Chiesa. I mean, the guy's on their broadcast and everything. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of respect there. So much so that I think he is being given the Rafael dos Anjos kind of role here of uh, seeing if Sean Brady's truly, you know, the talent that they want to believe he is. It's just. The UFC, they they can't see into the future, you know. Right, right. You know, we we're going to be talking about a guy in a little bit who they thought was ready for the title, and he might not even been ready for top five competition yet. Yep. So, it sometimes they overestimate where guys are and push them a little too soon. Doesn't happen as often as I think people might criticize them for, but it does happen. And I just don't want to see that with Sean Brady because I think he's got a lot of talent and could be a pretty big deal for him. Also, by the way, to kind of on the lighter side, 
the battle of stomach tattoos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, very funny how Michael Chiesa has a tattoo of a of a tiger on his stomach, <clears throat> while Sean Brady has a tattoo of a man giving a lion <laughs> a, yeah. a, a a guillotine, I believe. So uh, I, it was kind of funny when I thought it was a tiger at first. That would have been hilarious, like giving a tiger a guillotine. But yeah, um, turns out it's a lion. So you know, whatever. The, the cat, the cat family, you know, yeah. they're all yeah. in there. But yeah, it's good. It should be a good fight, though. Hundred percent. So moving on from our fight announcements, oh let's get let's get back into the circus, Dom. Let's put on our big red big red noses. You know, we we can't escape it. The 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 celebrity boxing, but MMA fighters. Getting involved. I mean, it's not even celebrity box. I mean, this is an MMA fighter going up against a, bo- a boxer. So, yeah. Um, in some ways, some would say that this is the modern day Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather, Dom. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this is happening on September 11th, as we've uh, mentioned previously. So, next Saturday, uh, originally headliner Oscar De La Hoya going up against Vitor Belfort, the former. UFC light heavyweight champion. However, Oscar De La Hoya has tested positive for COVID-19. He's being pulled from that card. In steps the nearly 60-year-old Evander Holyfield, the former heavyweight boxing champion. So um, there's a lot to go into here because not only is this kind of gross because – why is Evander Holyfield being cleared to fight right? as a nearly 60-year-old man who, to be clear, I'm pretty sure was not given a license to fight like 15 years ago because they said that he was too far past his skills had diminished too much yeah. 15 years ago. Yeah. So that's kind of gross. Also, there's an element to this, Dominic. I don't know if you've heard about this. I just happened to read it on Twitter where – Evander Holyfield had been um, – so he was supposed to uh, box somebody for Triller over the summer at some point, and that card fell through. So he was still contractually obligated to fight from Triller, but they were trying to kind of like just move on from him. Yeah. So he's suing. He was suing them. Oh. So that's the reason why he gets put in here is because Makes Triller sense. was like, well – He's suing us. We got to give him a fight. And Oscar yeah. De La Hoya tests positive. They're like, well, here you go. Fight Vitor Belfort. So, again, what uh, do I expect from this? Um, nothing. I expect nothing from this. This is going to be it's going to be bullshit. Look, I love Vitor Belfort and what he's done for MMA. And hopefully he gets paid very well for this. Also in your co-main event, Anderson Silva, Tito Ortiz. Like seeing those guys hopefully get a payday. But eventually it's going to come down to at what cost? Yeah. And and this is just there's just so much chaos around Triller and their their kind of entry into fight promotion. It just it doesn't seem like a very sustainable uh, business model. It doesn't seem very trustworthy in my opinion. Yeah, not accusing them of anything, just simply saying that like just a lot of weird stuff that's coming out of there. So um, these guys, in some ways, you know. I, I don't know if I if I were them if I would make the decision to no matter how much they're willing to pay yeah. to really trust that they would hold up that end of the deal. But um, Dominic, what are your thoughts here? I mean, I don't expect you to think much different. Uh, yeah, I dislike this very much, and it, you know, it comes down to it where we're seeing all of these older veterans that have done so much in their respective areas of the fight game, at least in the latter four. I don't know what the rest of the card looks like, and I don't really give a shit what it looks like. But the co-main event, main event. Four guys that have been there, done that in their respective sports, done so much for their sports. You just only hope that something as crazy like a circus show like this that Triller's putting on, that uh, nobody gets hurt, right? You don't want to see that happen just for the sake of putting on some crazy event that I'm sure will not sell well at all. I mean, it I, it's just all very weird. Even if Oscar were to stay on the card and fight Vitor, that fight was very random and weird in its own right, so... We'll see what happens, man. Are we going to have, like, takeaways from this card? No. Like, nowhere compared to what we did for the Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley fight. And even then, we only had so much to say outside of our distaste for all of this <laughs> wacky stuff. It's a weird time in combat sports right now. So, unfortunately, things like this just have to happen. Wow. 
that was that was the perfect way to to cap off this this part of the show. I think I don't think I could say anything else. Perfect. Let's get let's get into the UFC card that happened Saturday night. And you know what? Top to bottom, great card. Yes, it was stellar. Yeah, you know, on paper, I was kind of like, oh, this card's okay. You know, I like the main event. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Tom Aspinall, Patty Pimblett, you know, I think there were some things to really look forward to. But it, it was a lot of names that were, like I had mentioned on Friday, guys that were kind of, you know, not very remarkable so far. You know, they're fun fighters, but guys that have very mixed runs being matched up against one another, which yep. I thought was going to lead to a lot of fun fights, and fun fights is what it led to. Let's start with that main event, though, Dom. Oh, boy. Derek Brunson. He does it again, right? Does it again. That's yes. five in a row now. He gets a submission over Darren Till. Rear naked choke. Round three, two minutes, 13 seconds in. This was one-way traffic. <laughs> I feel oh, like I've yeah, said that too many times before. But um, Derek Brunson simply was dominant here. Um, this was, in my opinion, you know, he's had this kind of three-fight run that we have alluded to of where he's kind of been counted out, you know, Edmund Shabazian, Kevin Holland, now yep. Darren Till. This was the most impressive of the three, in my opinion. Not oh, only because Darren Till was the best opponent, I guess, of those or the most far along of those three. But also, I think just in a performance sta- standard, I think Derek great. Brunson was simply dominant here. He was he was strong. He was he forced his way into those takedowns, into the clinch. Had some nasty elbows in the clinch. Ooh, yeah. His striking looked better than it ever has. Really, um, I don't think his striking was holding up with Darren Till's, but he was finding ways to close that distance. And like those yeah. elbows in the clinch were very effective. Um, Darren Till's left eye was very compromised. His ground and pound was the best that it ever looked. So I'm very impressed with this performance. I wasn't expecting to come in here and if Derek Brunson had won, be like, you know, contemplating like where does he fall in line for a title? But mm-hmm. he's there I again, to think man. About it. Yeah. Yeah. So Dominic, um, what what are your thoughts on Derek Brunson, you know, in this fight? But more importantly, I guess what's what's next for him yeah so i mean he looked incredible right you said this is a five fight win streak now and this is by far the one that takes the cake to do this against really the, it's one of the biggest wins of his career in general uh in terms of like the name value of his opponent and whatnot the styles you know it was it, it is favorable in a certain extent for Derek, but on the feet it's very much not favorable anyone out there and did what he had to do implemented the perfect game plan and we, my biggest questions on friday was could Derek get Till to the ground? And if on the ground, could Till get up? Slash, could Brunson keep him down? And that he did. I mean, t- round one was nearly a 10-8 had Till not gotten up with a minute left and kept it on the feet. He was destroying Darren Till with ground and pound in round number one. Round two, essentially copy and paste, not as uh, vicious with the ground and pound, but still held him down for the full round. Round three, Till finds a bit of success gives Brunson a, uh, a little bit of a scare. We see Brunson, he gets wobbled on the feet. It happens mm-hmm. in a lot of his fights. But he is able to stay composed recently, and he did the same thing here with Darren Till, landed the perfect takedown, and once he had him down, it looked like Till was just so mentally defeated and drained, and Brunson wasted no time capitalizing, locked in the rear naked choke. And now, again, five in a row. The last time he lost was to the current champion, Israel Adesanya. Now, is that what comes next for him? I don't know. I, and I kind of had this, you know, interesting viewpoint on the division when we had Cannoneer beat uh, Gastelum, so I guess I'll just kind of go over my thoughts now that Brunson has won. Again, Whitaker, Israel 2, it looks like it's going to be pushed off 2022. Is Israel going to fight again in this year? He wants to, but now that all the cards are filling out, it looks very much like it won't happen. So now what can we do here? Do we do Cannoneer Brunson, make that a an official number one contender fight? That makes sense to me. It's two guys that haven't fought one another. We got a you know a very powerful striker in Cannoneer, a very dominant grappler, Derek Brunson, give them a main event slot on a fight night. Maybe that's what you do. But either way, Brunson has now launched himself into the best spot of his career, essentially one away from a title fight, maybe. We'll see how the division plays out. 
And really, I'm going to pose a question back to you in reverse now. On the opposite side of things, we have seen Darren Till drop four of his last five fights, Noah. Give me your thoughts on the fight, I guess, from a whole in terms of Brunson and what you saw from Till. And what do we get with Darren Till next? Yeah, see, I I think I gave most of my thoughts on the fight. But for Darren Till's side of things, uh, this is just, I guess, more proof to what I said on Friday that a lot of Darren Till's support, not support, a lot of his, I guess, hype, a lot of, um, his placements on cards, a lot of you know, a lot of the respect people give Darren Till, I think, is more on his potential rather than what he's actually shown in the octagon. Some people might look at that statement and go, "You're calling him overrated." Well, maybe it is a nice way of saying that. <laughs> but I do really like Darren Till, and I think he does have a lot of potential still, yeah. even after this loss. On the bright side, for Darren Till. This style of fighter in Derek Brunson is kind of just a tough matchup for him. I mean, going in, don't get me wrong, we thought Darren Till was going to win. But coming out of it, a a stronger stronger grappler, I'm saying stronger, stronger than himself, Darren Till, is just a very tough matchup for him, and that showed. But I don't think that matchup is really – in this division besides Brunson and maybe Marvin Vittori and perhaps a Luke Rockhold when he comes back. So Darren Till has still got a lot of life left in this division because I think striking-wise, he holds up with anybody in the division, including your champion, Adesanya. But also, I don't think anybody else in this division has the grappling to hold him down and deliver the damage that Derek Brunson did in this fight. Robert Whitaker took down... Till I believe twice in their fight, and Till got right back up. Mm-hmm. Till's always been very good about that. If he gets taken down, he's able to just get right back up. He's so fast in this division. So, all in all, this is a tough else loss to swallow. I mean, now he's one and two in the division. Yeah. So it's kind of back to the drawing board. There is plenty of matchups on the bright side because he's not fought most of this division. It's just where do you think where does the UFC kind of think he lines up now? He's ranked number seven. I think most of us thought coming in here he was probably better than that, but I don't even know if that's the case anymore. I think number seven might be kind of the accurate spot for him. So it's where where you know who who's lining up. It's all it's all gonna be based on when Darren Till wants to fight next, too. Yeah. I like the idea if he wants to wait a little bit, a matchup coming up. The winner of Sean Strickland, Luke Rockhold, I think could be a really good fight for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are two guys that whichever one gets to win uh, would be looking to kind of headline a fight night with Darren Till. I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, Luke Rockhold is a tough fight for Till, in my opinion, but yeah. I think him and Sean Strickland is a very interesting striking matchup because you got more of the technical striking of Darren Till, more of a finesse technical striker, mm-hmm. while – Sean Strickland, technical brawler, as I call him. So um, I think that could be a lot of fun and just two interesting characters in their own right. Yeah. But um, that's where I think Darren Till kind of falls uh, into what's next. I mean, I don't think this sets him back as far as maybe some of the more pessimistic fans are going to say, but I definitely think that it's just more proof that he is not as far along as we want to believe he is. Yes, is he a former title challenger? Sure, but should he have been? I don't think so. I think that's become very clear that right. he's still just has got a lot of growth that he's continuing to do. He's only 28 years old, yeah. just starting to hit his prime. So you're going to see a lot of growth out of Darren Till in the next few years, in my opinion. I mean, a lot of this is mental too, and we'll see. Hopefully, you know, his personal side holds up. But I'm just saying if all things hold true, all things stay consistent. Darren Till should be a much better fighter his next time out than he was here, and he should continue to just grow at that kind of rate. But you know, it, it he is in a tough spot in this in the sense that he's already in the in the top half of this division. So there's no easy matchups that lie around him. But um, I think he's got the striking skill set to hold up with pretty much anybody else. Very now for Derek well Brunson. <laughs> thank you. And I'm just going to give a quick note for Derek Brunson. Yeah. Just because you mentioned the the title kind of implications here. 
Adesanya Whitaker should be next. And I still stand by. I think that's what's going to happen next. I think once the UFC 269 announcements came out for exactly. December, yeah. I think it's pretty clear Adesanya will not be fighting this year. And I think that means that Cannoneer is not getting a title shot against Adesanya before Whitaker. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. So hopefully Adesanya Whitaker happens early next year. I know they're holding it off because they know that that's a fight that's going to sell huge uh, mm-hmm. in a stadium over in New Zealand or Australia. But at the end of the day, you got to <laughs> – COVID is a real thing, and you're going to yeah. just have to you know, play the cards where they lay or whatever the saying is. So because of that, Cannoneer needs to think about what fight should he take next. And him and Brunson makes all the sense in the world to me. Yep. Yeah. Um, that would clearly be kind of who's next, you know, a number one contender fight, in my opinion. Two guys that are out of their primes at the end of their, you know, supposed at the end of their kind of best force here. Yeah. But um, I think it could be a lot of fun. Two very strong guys, but they use their strength in a lot of different ways. Yep. In and ear, using a lot of power punching, while Brunson power grappling, getting you into a clinch where he lands a lot of that ditty, ditty boxing and uh, <laughs> elbows from the clinch. So I think that could be a really fun fight. Um, I also think there's a chance that either Cannoneer or Brunson could get matched up with the winner of uh, Costa Vittori yeah. or the loser, depending. So I think there are some matchups here for Brunson, some fresh ones at that. Um, I definitely think this win has done a lot for him in, in my own eyes and, and probably in the community's eyes. I agree, yeah. I don't like that a lot of people are like, wow, you know, um, I saw some comment about how the last three fights, how much Brunson was sort of counted out and what that says about, um, you know, MMA fans' respect for him. I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think it's a lack of respect. I think it's just simply Derek Brunson is kind of pulling in some ways a Jan Blahovich here where Mm -hmm. he is getting better. After after having a point in his career where he seemed so stagnant, yeah, really at the end of his prime, you know, those ages thirty to thirty-three or so, where he kind of was stagnating as a fighter. He had lost to Anderson Silva, Robert Whitaker, you know, he had he had really not, you know, went to the next step, you know, hadn't become a true title challenger. But now he's shown that he still had a lot of growth left and was able to take that next step. I don't think it's a lack of respect. I think it's just people underestimating him. Yeah. And he's proving us wrong step by step. So is he going to be the next Jan Blahovich and uh, take a, take a title that nobody expects him to take time will tell, but uh, Dominic, any final thoughts on that one? That's all I've got. My man middleweight is a a bit exciting at the top. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the opener this main card. Oh boy. This was my favorite fight of the main card. Um, the main card being the fights that I, I watched live. So, you know, I had to go back and watch some prelims this morning, but Patty Pimblett making his debut here. He does get the very impressive TKO over Luigi Benramini. Round that. one, four minutes, 25 seconds in, but Dominic, he had to climb through some adversity to get there. Yeah. Tell the viewers what kind of fight we got here. And th- what is this fight to you if you had to go off of a hunch? Where does do you think this means like for Patty Pimblet? You know, impressive finish, but also as you're gonna allude to and get into here, had some holes that he exposed as well. Yeah, so uh, I guess he showed what all the hype was about. That's one thing. So Patty Bimlet, obviously the former Cage Warriors champion, turned down two other opportunities to join the UFC in 2016, 2018. Finally felt he was ready in 2021. Came over, makes his debut against Luigi Vendramini on a prime time spot for the United Kingdom, the early card. He's on the main card. And uh, he did face early adversity so much so I thought he was going to get knocked out, Noah. He really was facing some heavy shots from Luigi early on, very crisp shots. And it was because he had his chin left so high right in the air. It was an easy target for Luigi to hit. However, 
what I liked was that Patty stayed so calm, so, so composed in those moments where you don't see these younger people. That's where they might falter at the big stage when they face that adversity. But Patty, no, no, no. It looked like he had been there plenty of times before. And not only was he able to recover and keep from getting finished, but put on a damn clinic on the feet offensively as well. Landed him switch kicks and jumping side kicks and spinning stuff. He was doing everything on the feet. For a guy that's known primarily for his grappling, his stand-up has very much caught up with his skill set there, which makes him even more fun in terms of, you know, matchups in the future in this division. But, man, he made a statement, inevitably gets the TKO. I thought it was a KO, personally. He landed that one shot and dropped Luigi, but I digress. Patty the Batty Pimblet, man. What a guy. What a story. Knows how to work his way around a microphone as well. Gets on with uh, Michael Bisping in the post-fight interview and just takes ultimate control, calling his shots, saying he's the new cash cow of the UFC. And damn, man, if you're going to back it up like that, again, maybe not with so much uh, adversity in your next fight. Don't get <laughs> caught that bad. But if you're going to do that offensively and show that skill set, man, he's only 26 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Very, very exciting to see this fella get thrown in to the already most stacked division in the UFC, the lightweight division. I'm so excited for what's to come. Yeah, I actually, my takeaways, I was very impressed with Luigi Vendramini here. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't give enough credit to him. <laughs> well, no, I, I think Patty Piblet's the story, yeah. but I just, for me, I, I was very impressed with how Luigi, ultimately he does get finished in the first round, and that's tough, but, you know, he got caught with the heavy Ooh, shot yeah. but he was i mean his striking was very impressive mm-hmm. early on here he even took patty piblet to the ground which when i saw that i will admit i didn't think it was the smartest move to do because you had yeah. him hurt on the feet too many guys do that shit yeah. they hurt a guy up against the fence and then they decide to just go for a takedown i'm like you what, what are you doing here I mean, yeah i get it score points i guess but as you see here i mean i don't think it really affected him because once the fight got back up he was still right winning the fight but um I, I was very impressed with him i look forward to seeing his next fight coming off of that but patty pimblet does come back and get a very vicious finishing sequence that was i mean this fight was awesome right i had it so was. much fun so yeah. um just a lot of fun here and you know that kind of fight is it what you want to see from a guy that you're kind of looking to make one of your next big stars in their debut probably not you'd probably rather him get you know more of a one-sided win but these are the kind of fights that could eventually just turn patty into a star outright if he's just always in a lot of fun scraps and you know maybe does have to come back from some adversity time time or time but i guess for me you know a lot of people here you know we were even talking on friday we were asking the viewers is there any shades of old Conor McGregor and kind of this in this come up here like is this what we're looking at or is this not as big is it bigger sure it seemed like like, it (laughs) it seems like I've been hearing about this guy forever at this point and you know overall what I saw in there I went okay it was like it was good I guess I don't know maybe (laughs) Dominic I just I feel a little bad saying that but um I didn't watch this performance and say this guy can be a future title challenger. I mean, I thought those holes were – I thought Wait. that chin up in the air was was rough. I mean, I think he was very – I think he was very close. One or two more clean shots to being put away. Now, obviously, he's still so young. He's got yeah. a lot of improving to do. He's not even – Striking's not even what he hangs his hat on. He's a, yeah. he's a very good submission specialist. So we didn't even get to see that side of him here. So maybe, you know, once I see his full game in the UFC, I'll feel differently. But right now I go, good win. I like it. I like his personality. You know, that adds a lot to it. But in terms of what I saw, you know, in his debut, I wouldn't necessarily go out on a limb and say that this guy's going to be a future title holder. Yeah. Fair enough. Do you have any any response to that? I mean, is that what you was that no, your takeaway? I, mean, I can't take away that all oh, this guy's going to fight for a title. But in terms of comparing debuts with Connor coming in from Cage Warriors, both were champions. 
Connors was a lot more flawless in terms of he didn't really get touched by uh, Brimage was his uh, debut way back when in 2013. So uh, definitely had the better debut. But again, I guess part of me kind of liked that we got to see Patty go through adversity early on because you know that moving forward, the fights are just going to keep getting harder and harder and the adversity is always going to be there. So to see it happen in his debut was nice to a certain extent. But yes, I guess if you're him and if you're the really big Patty fans, you're probably thinking, oh, let's not go through that again. So, again, I'm not going away from UFC Vegas 36 saying, hey, this guy's going to be the champion within three years. But I can damn sure say he's going to give us some very fun fights and that he's only 26. He, he throws a big wrench potentially into this lightweight division in the years to come. Let me, re- let me rephrase because I, I don't know if it's fair to say, you know, talk about title implications here. But a lot of guys, when they come in, you go, wow, they their step, their their ladder to the top, you know, they're just gonna keep going, like keep climbing. I think for him, this fight almost in my head made it clear that he will have he won't have the cleanest of climbs up that ladder. Mm-hmm. So I think he can eventually get to the top for sure. But I think he will be a guy that has a couple faltering moments here or there. You know, he might have an upset loss in his career. You know, that's just that's a lot to take away from simply a back and forth first round, but you know that's what's going to happen when you have a guy with all this hype coming in for a debut. We've never seen him fight before, and now that yeah. we have, this is all we have to go off of. So, hopefully, we see him in here again soon. I would love to see him in here before the end of the year again, Same. and um, so that way he can maybe lock up that newcomer of the year award for the Joey's. <laughs> but uh, there you go. Um, that that's just my thoughts there. But overall, awesome fight. Shout out Luigi Vinramini, yes. Patty Pimblett. Great fight. Let's get into the rest. Come meet event. Tom Aspinall. Oh, Does boy. it again. Does it again in very quick fashion. Gets the TKO over Sergei Spivak. Two minutes, 30 seconds, round number one. I didn't get what I wanted here, to be honest. <laughs> I, I want to see Tom Aspinall be challenged a little bit. I want to see him go through some sort of adversity. I want to see Tom Aspinall's full game come into play and he keeps just finishing these fights so quickly. I don't <laughs> yeah. see it. Um, his striking does look very good though. And uh, that, that proved to be the case here again. I believe it was a nasty elbow coming out of the oh, clinch. Oh yeah, man. That's what, what, that was what the finishing sequence came, started with. That was an awesome, it was like an overhand elbow too. Yeah. Like just a nasty one. Um, so very impressive performance. And if, again, do I am I going to hold anything against Aspinall for not being tested more? No, right. But I'm simply saying that I, I I will not go out on a limb and be like, I'm believing in this guy as a title. And I feel I feel like I'm turned into like I don't know what I'm turned into here. Am I am I a crockety old man? You're shitting on all these new guys, man. About Patty Pimblett now Tom Aspinall. I'm simply trying to keep one foot. I'm trying. I only put one foot in the door because I just haven't seen Aspinall's full game, and I, I don't like. It's looked really good, but he is a heavyweight at the end of the day, and these guys typically do get fights done in quick fashion. Yeah. I like his striking. I'd like to see more on a grappling side. See if he gets in there. Hopefully, in his next fight, it looks like his next fight will probably be headlining a fight night with one of these. Uh, you know, five the ten ranked heavyweights. Yeah. So, Dominic, I'm going to let you take the reins here because I know you're a very big believer in Tom Aspinall's talents. Was there anything that you saw, you know, new here or something that maybe was a big takeaway for you in this fight? And the big question, what's next? Yeah, so uh, I'm all war Aspinall ever since he made his debut. And now, you know, here he is. Four fights in the UFC, four finishes, all 11 of his wins in his career by finish. And he's just very crisp, very powerful on the feet, whether it's a one punch that puts him down or it punches and bunches. But then he can pull a submission out of the hat. We saw him do that to Andre Arlovsky. So uh, I think this guy just has so much upside. Again, very young into the game as well. So in terms of takeaways, I mean, again, I would have liked to see him be tested a little more too, even though I'm a big fan of him. You just you you know that there's areas we haven't seen him be tested, and he's going to have to face it eventually. So you'd rather see it earlier and then continue to see him build off of it. Mm-hmm. But when he's just putting people away, I guess you can't fault the guy. 
what's next for Tom Aspinall is interesting. And I've said this before when talking about him. It might have been two fights ago. But he's very humble and realizes where his game is now and where he wants to be before he – he doesn't want to just come in and be catapulted into top fives. He, he feels very comfortable where he is and acknowledging the fact that, yes, I want to continue to grow before I get thrown into these big fights. So, like, in a couple of his post-fight interviews, he was literally saying, like, I just want to fight someone ahead of me. So if I'm number 13, which he is currently – he said, I want to fight number 12. So if it's Blagoy Ivanov, who's number 12, then put me in there with Blagoy Ivanov. So, you know, I do respect that to a certain extent. But when he's also finishing these guys with so much ease, you kind of can't help but wonder, all right, let's 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 get him in there. Let's, let's put him in with the top 10 guy. So what could come next? I mean, we'll see. Come Tuesday morning, I'm curious to see where he'll move in the rankings because I just feel like this was his first ranked win, technically, against Sergey Spivak. It was very dominant as we've seen in all four of his UFC fights now, they may launch him in right around that number 10 spot. I'll be curious to see Walt Harris, Bogoy Ivanov ahead of him. And then obviously Chris Dawkins, who is who I wanted him to fight a while ago when they fought on the same card, but he's fighting Shamil Abdurahimov. I digress from that fight. So uh, we'll see what happens with Aspie now, but I truly believe in this kid so young. And damn it, Noah, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say in the future, this gentleman could become the first English heavyweight champion. I like those thoughts. Uh, the fight that I think should be next for him is the loser of Alexander Volkov and Marcin Tibera. A fight happening. Ooh. Forget which pay per view it's happening on, but it is one of the. I think it's two sixty seven. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those. So the loser of that fight, because I think you get two completely different matchups for Aspinall depending on who loses that fight. Tibera, a bit more grapple-heavy, a bit more of a stockier frame. Um, a guy that like that can make a fight a little ugly, You know, just looks for those ways to win, a bit more higher fight IQ maybe. Volkov, going to be a guy that really matches up with Aspinall striking-wise, very technical striker, very long fighter, so the range will be an interesting game for Aspinall to get into. And, um, yeah, I like either of those matchups for him next. Is that definitely a jump up for him? For sure. But it's, you know, I I like his mindset. I respect his mindset of, like, okay, I'm just one guy ahead of me. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know if I need to see him fight Blagoy even. Yeah. I don't know if I yeah. need to see him fight Walt Harris right now. Chris Dawkins is an interesting one, but I'm going to hold off on that one. Yeah. You know, Maybe Augusto Sakai, number nine, that's another good one. But I don't know where Sakai truly – I don't know where he challenges uh, Aspinall right now. And that's mm-hmm. – I just have more – I have a more defined – I guess matchup-wise, there's just more defined, like, advantages for um, Volkov and Tibera yeah. if they were to go up against Aspinall. Not to say Sakai doesn't have an advantage in that fight. I'm just saying that I these Volkov and Tiberi could clearly be like, okay, that's where they test Aspinall. And that's what I want to see. Yeah. That's what that's what this is all about at this point for me. I just want to see this guy get tested. If he keeps winning fights in this fashion, it doesn't matter. He's gonna right. do this to the title and then it doesn't it's gonna be like Francis Ngannou. Everybody knows he's not the most technical fighter in the world, but if he knocks you out in ten seconds, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. So Regardless, I like the guy. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. I've watched a lot of his videos with MMA on point, and um, he's very articulate guy. So I'm rooting for him to, you know, be what we think he can be, and what I'm just resistant to like accept, only because I don't want to be wrong and you know right. have it blow up in my face. But I do agree with you. He could be. The what did you say? The first uh, first English born heavyweight champion. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, big big performance here from him though, and that, and I didn't realize the first top fifteen wins. So that's big big monkey off the back as well. Also on this main card, this was a fun one. Cleo Roundtree gets the TKO over Modestus Bukowskis, round two. Also two minutes thirty seconds in, and um, Dominic. This is one of those fights where. You know, sometimes you see guys throw really hard strikes at one another, and 
they just don't seem to phase them. You know, a Brad Rydell Drew Dover fight, yeah, uh, yeah. a Fazaya of Bobby Green. You know, they just seem unfazed. This was the opposite of that. <laughs> Every strike landed hard, and both guys were showing the effects of yeah. it. Ultimately, Roundtree does get the win. It's a TKO due to a well, you, the oblique the, kick. Is that what? Is that what was like a? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. That okay. uh, the one that John Jones essentially. Yeah, passed. I know, but he was did, he did it to the side of the knee. That's why yeah. I, I wasn't sure. I think it might. I, I thought it might have a little bit different um, connotation. But anyways, finishes the fight. Bukowski's knee all messed up, probably. Yeah. And this raises the question again, Dominic. I, I'll let you give your thoughts on the fight, but I think the more important thing that the viewers would like to hear from you is where do you fall on this uh, argument of is this a technique that should be banned from professional MMA? Uh, apparently, according to Daniel Cormier, typically practices ban this technique because of just how dangerous it is and how easy it is to, you know, not just cause a, you know, like a, end of a fight, but end of careers injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, first off for Khalil Roundtree up to 205 pounds in this bout, which was interesting. He really needed a win here to write the ship. He was on a two fight skid and he looked good for the whole fight, man. Looked powerful, nearly finished the fight early on in the first round, but faced a little bit of adversity as well. Eating some shots from Modestus, but for the most part, it was all Roundtree. He looked good, man. And he looked very big, very strong, very filled out. At 205 pounds, so good on him for bouncing back off of the skid. In terms of the kick, very interesting, right? Because I don't just want to go out and say, oh, ban it, ban it. This guy's knee got destroyed last night. The fight ended, ban it. Because at the end of the day, I just feel like as MMA continues to evolve, we're going to keep seeing these new generations of athletes, and they're going to bring in new evolutions of different techniques. So things are just going to keep getting crazier and crazier and they're just going to become effective in fights essentially so with more evolution of offensive techniques coming in you got to think well there's going to have to be an evolution of defensive techniques to avoid these types of strikes so i don't just want to go out and say i'll ban this because this is the first time we've ever seen this type of kick in a fight anyway we've seen it utilized plenty by a lot of fighters obviously john jones was like the first we ever really saw utilize it and his game plan, essentially, when he fought people. But never to the extent of this, where it ends a fight. I think Modestus did suffer some ligament damage in his knee. So for Modestus, I hope you heal up quickly, recover. He's a very bright, uh, talented, young prospect, So especially for the light heavyweight division. So um, shout out to him as well for being a tough guy. I hope all is well in terms of his recovery. And for the kick man, again, I just want to go out and say, I don't want to go out and say, let's ban it because we're just going to keep seeing stuff like this for years and years as the sport becomes more broadly accepted. Uh, so it's just more on will we see the defensive techniques to avoid it. Essentially the same thing is like when Dustin beat Conor McGregor, people are like, Oh, we got to ban the calf kick. It's too, you just can't, can't do it. As soon as you get hit by it, it numbs your leg. You got to get rid of it. You just got to learn how to defend it, I guess. And again, I'm not a fighter. I would go down in a heartbeat and my leg would be shattered and I'd probably cry real, literal tears, but I digress. I'm just the guy sitting back here behind the camera talking about it, and that's my two cents. I do think it's a little different than a calf kick. I mean, I think it's more so just from a pure damage standpoint. I mean, this is, you know, if you land it cleanly, it's an ACL tear waiting to happen, you know. But I do agree with you. I don't think this should be banned from MMA. I don't like the idea of banning most things in MMA. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going in there with the attempt to – inflict damage on your opponent to want to fight yeah. seems a little rudimentary to ban a technique that would do that. But I understand why a guy like Steven Thompson's a guy who's raised concerns about it. Cause he had his ACL torn in his fight with Darren Till from this technique. Yeah. Yeah. However, I understand why, you know, he, he, he is totally valid to have that opinion. He had a year taken off of his career because of that technique. But I do think it comes down to what you're saying. I think you put it perfectly. It's all an evolution of the game. You know, that right there are ways to defend this technique. I watched a video last night. Shout out to the Weasel on YouTube. He does a lot yeah. of MMA content where he was showing how in Israel Adesanya's uh winning winning the title over Robert Whitaker 
how he was able to def- he was able to avoid that oblique kick. And since in order to do the oblique kick, you kind of have to make yourself you kind of have to lunge in. Yeah, make yourself so if you vulnerable. miss, makes yourself very vulnerable, and that and that set up a lot of good offense for Israel in that fight with Whitaker. So that's just an example of it. But you're right. As this time goes by, it's just like with the calf kick in the sense of people are going to find ways to better defend it. They're going to find ways to combat it. Eventually, you know, it might even become for a time a not very effective offensive technique anymore because of how much defense is surrounding it. That's Mm -hmm. just a natural part of MMA. It happens. It comes in waves. Um, but I do understand anybody. I think anybody who has a concern about it is valid due to the yeah how easy it is. It seems to even though this is like the first time it's really happened in a fight ending sequence. You know, it's happened a few times just in a fight, but it hasn't ended the fight. But here it was very brutal. I'll admit. However, uh, I you know can't take anything away from Cleo Roundtree. He looked really good here. Thought yeah. it was a very good performance out of him. Brutal one at that. I mean, just to the, the amount of hard hitting shots he was landing and then to finish a fight like that. There's been some rumors that Cleo Roundtree is going to retire. So uh, if that's the case, then uh, happy retirement to him. But um, if not, I like the way he looked here, light heavyweight. Yeah. Wouldn't mind seeing more from him. He looked very big in there. And uh, Modeskis Bukakis. Fun fighter, a guy who's, who he, he stands in there and gives it his all, man, but he's just not been able to quite get over to hump, get that big win. Um, yeah. I believe he's. I believe he lost to – I want to say he lost to – I can't remember now. I thought it was Kevin Holland, but I could be wrong. Um, he lost to someone back in the fall that is – but it, regardless, um, hopefully he heals up, and I don't know if he'll get another chance in the UFC, but I wouldn't mind it because I, I thought he yeah. – he hung in there and here and even landed some of his own good shots. So good fight. Let's talk about some of these guys on the, the prelims. You know, they a lot of good performances on here. Molly McCann and Gian Kim had a fight of the night. They were credited yeah. fight of the night. Uh, Molly McCann got a unanimous decision win over Gian Kim. Jack Shore oh with a dominant performance over Ludwig Shalinian via unanimous decision. And then Julian Arosa and Charles Jordan had a very fun fight. Those were two guys going in. I wanted to talk about these guys on Friday, but I just yeah. they just didn't have enough to like really preview. You know, they're just a couple middling guys, but they're very fun fighters. Charles Jordan being the one who knocked out Korean Superboy do yeah. her choice. So um, Arosa did get the submission win over Jordan in round three, two minutes fifty six seconds. So, Dominic, got to, uh, you know, basically this is just kind of open for you to give your thoughts on any big performances that stood out, any big names that stood out, anybody to look out for. I'll just mention, because I know you're going to want to talk about Jack Shore, Molly McCann, this was a must-win for her, in my opinion. She's had a, bit of a, had a bit of a iffy road here. I don't know if she was on a losing streak coming in. Yeah. But it feels like she's had a hard time getting her hand raised in the UFC. And to come in here and have a really fun fight with Gian Kim and, to ultimately get the win in unanimous decision fashion, I think that was a must for her. 100% agree. Yeah, I mean, she looked good, very back and forth, deservedly so for fight of the night. Um, and, yeah, like you said, a must win. She hadn't won since October of 2019. So mm-hmm. meatball, Mo- meatball Molly, I just had a big country twang there, I feel like. I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, came out and they got a big comeback win. Ji Young Kim, very good counter striker as well. So, I, I still think she's got some good fights ahead of her in that division. Uh, Jack Shore, can we just take a second? Because this dude is 15-0, 4-0 in the UFC, 12-15 wins via finish. And this was a near-flawless performance uh, against L- Ludwig Shalinian. Again, a guy that was coming off tough 29, didn't make it to the finals or anything, but was given a shot here uh, against Jack Shore. And, man, Sure, I just want to say it right now. He's ready. We need top 15 next for this kid. Again, when I say flawless, I mean nearly perfect. To see him go in there, everything he does is so calculated and precise, and he's just so calm. And the way that he – he's known for his grappling as well, but he looked lights out on the feet with very good kicks and 
His jab was lighting up Ludwig, very crisp, very sharp on the feet. And then his grappling, the way that he transitions, whether it's defensively or offensively, to get the back, to get, you know, lock in a submission, to recognize a submission's not going to work, and then let it go, but get, get into straight uh, top mount. Everything he did was just A plus last night, or on Saturday, I should say. And uh, I, I'm a true big time believer in this kid again. He's uh, Welsh. So, again, the United Kingdom kind of behind this kid, they've known how good he is, another former Cage Warriors champion. So they're bringing over a ton of European talent into the UFC, and Jack Shore, he's launched himself into top 15 contention here in this stacked Bantamweight division. I think it's time to really launch him in and see him get tested. And then lastly, Julian Arosa, Charles Jordan, as Noah mentioned, we knew this was going to be a fun fight, right? They just have the styles. They're going to clash, and it's going to be nuts, whatever the fight goes, whether it's on the feet on the ground. And that's how this was. And I feel like Julian Arosa, this kid is going to face adversity and face troubles in every fight. And then he'll just pull a rabbit out of a hat, and whether it's a KO or a submission, he'll find a way to get the job done. So shout out to Julian Arosa. was in a very fun one. And Charles Jordan, keep your head held high. It was a fun scrap while it lasted. Well more thoughts than I thought we were going to have about those, but no, for sure. Jack Shore, uh, this guy's ready for top 15. Will he get it next? Who knows, but he should, he really should. Yeah. I think he's proven he is, he is simply too much for any of these guys that are, you know, kind of outside of the top 15 that are looking to make names for themselves. He is just too much, you know, here Ludwig props to him for taking the fight and for giving it his all. But this was, I mean, he styled on him here and that was, really the story overall though a lot of takeaways from this card and i'm very happy for that because this was a card that kind of got butchered a little bit a couple fights got taken off at the last second and, yeah um so it's nice to see that what what stuck together here ended up everything what's going on over there? I, I i i hit my mic two times in a row and it kept getting messed up i'm sorry <laughs> no, it's okay i was like are you all right over there like, yeah i'm good i'm good i'm good <laughs> But uh, no, I mean that's that's pretty much it here. It was a great card. I'm glad to see a lot of takeaways, a lot of fighters really standing out. That's what you love to see. Oh, yeah. But Dominic, um, that wraps it up for the MMA weekend recap. This Friday will be the next time you see us. But in what capacity, we don't know. To be determined. Because ultimately, there is no UFC card this week weekend. There's no Bellator card this coming weekend. There's no PFL card this coming weekend. There's and we're no- damn sure not doing a preview show on the Triller Circus. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to get that out there. Noah, go ahead. I cut you off, but I had to let it out. Are you you good? I'm good. I'm good. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we're at least going to give you guys, you know, some form some. of a weekend preview. If, if there's any fight announcements or news, we will put that into an episode. But since that's not really enough to – Put an episode on its own. We will do a Reddit roundtable as well. So it will be a form of a, you know, half weekend preview, half uh, special episode Reddit roundtable. So be on the lookout for that. Send your questions, uh, whether comment on, you know, this video or if you want to comment on our social media post on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, if you want to send in a voice message, you can do so. Link in the link trees in our bios. Um, there is a link on there for leaving a voice message through our anchor page. So do that. That'd be really sick. Or also Facebook. I forgot to mention that Dominic post on his personal Facebook. If you're friends with them on there, you can leave questions there as well. Or if you know us, you can text us your questions, whatever. But um, yeah, make sure to also go support a barely critical movie review podcast. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, we did a, our first guest appearance on there. Um, Dominic thought that Stitch Durand was dead. He is not dead. <laughs> but that that is good to know that he is, in fact, alive and well. So I, shout out to Stitch the Cut, man. Yeah, it's a, I got so it's, emotional in that moment. And then you said, I, he's alive, by the way, after the fact. I'm like, huh, all right. <laughs> uh, just funny stuff. But uh, go check out the episode. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, Dominic, hit us with the outro. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Deasley14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, send in your questions to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA 
podcast. Noah, get them on out of here. For me, Twitter, Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. If you go to my bio, there's a link that will lead you to the link tree, okay. which will provide you with a list of links okay. that contain all the platforms that the podcast is on along with the social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for our anchor page first. Leaving a voice message. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Come on. Do it. Yeah. Make sure to leave your questions on there. Any thoughts you have about upcoming fights or performances. <laughs> Do it. And there's a link there if you want to become a supporter of a podcast. Uh, if you would like to leave the minimum donation of $1.99. Or more. Um, me and Dominic will strip naked for our OnlyFans page. But again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at NTBaker underscore. But with that, we're out, and we'll see you all on Friday.